Y'all ready for the word? Go to Acts. Open your Bibles. Let's do that right. Open up your Bibles. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Beginning in verse 44. Acts 13, 44 says, The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous, so they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, It was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews. But since you have rejected it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for his message. And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message spread throughout the region. Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious, up the influential religious woman and the leaders of the city. And they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. So they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Idnokonium. And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I've learned something. Uh, you can say this in life, but especially in ministry. Not everything you thought was going to be, was going to happen the way you thought it was going to happen, happens that way. You know, a lot of times you think it's going to happen this way, that way, and you get yourself so prepared. You get yourself so, so, so excited. You, got, you start dreaming that it's going to, you know, work this way, but then it doesn't happen that way. And a lot of times we get disappointed. We get frustrated and we end up blaming others and get angry. I mean, nobody, nobody starts a job thinking they're going to get fired. No, nobody enters a relationship thinking that they're going to break up. Nobody, nobody begins something new with defeat as a possibility. And so I learned a long, a long time ago that not everything I thought was going to happen happened. Is going to happen the way I thought it was going to happen. Even when you get a loan, you think, I'm going to pay this off this way. And a lot of times it doesn't happen that way. It's almost everything. There's always, you know, there's, there's one way, but then it happens, ends up happening another way. Here, the Apostle Paul, he was working the ministry. He had a vision of bringing all the Jews into salvation. But then he, felt, then he got resistance. And then, and then the things that he had been working on, the people that he was preaching to end up rejecting him. Rejecting the word. And understand this, it started out of jealousy. Because he was anointed, they were jealous that he had an anointing upon his life, a call upon his life, a, 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 the presence of God to do the work of the ministry, they got jealous and they stirred the community and stirred the people to come against them. Every door that was open was shut. 
He could have been crying, saying, why, God? And giving up on the call and giving up on the vision, giving up on the ministry because he faced opposition. And not all those people that were opposing him were unbelievers. Many of them were believers. But what did he do? If I can't go this way, I'm going to go that way. And I want to speak to you on another way. Because there's always another way. There's always another way. The word of the Lord will always come about upon your life. It just might not come the way you thought it was going to come. Or happen the way you thought it was going to happen. Amen. God always has another way. And, uh, you know, how many of you have, anybody, I know, how many are dog people? Put your hands down. How many are cat people? Okay. Good. I'm a dog and a cat person now. I used to hate cats. I get a little older. Kind of like them sometimes. My dog. My dog, when, when my dog sees me, he comes running, he jumps on me, he gets so excited, he goes get a toy just to show me his new toy they found in the yard. But, you know, I, I can't, I mean, he just comes and he just attacks you, you know, just like, like you're finally here, we get to play, that type of thing, you know. But the cat... When you want the cat, he doesn't want you. But when he wants you, you don't want him. So the cat will come, and the cat doesn't just want to, like, be next to you. The cat, like, I mean, I think the cat wants to, like, enter into you somehow, you know. I'll be watching TV. And the cat will, 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 will get close to me, and, and I'll put him in a place where I could just pet the cat. The next thing you know, I find him crawling up my arm, and I'm like, wait. No. <laughs> then he's in a place where it gets really hot, and I'm like, and I'll take the cat and put him on the other side, you know. I don't know how the cat does it. I don't know when it happens, but somehow in the process of him constantly wanting to be with me, I find him like right on my head. And I'm thinking, how did he get here? How did I allow, how did I allow this? Because I'll be there like a half hour with a cat on my neck, and I'm like, wait, wait, what? I thought I kicked this cat out. But see, the cat realizes, if I can't go in this way, I'll go in this way. He doesn't give up. He keeps on pressing towards the mark of the, heart, the high calling of his life. And that's the way we have to be in ministry. That's the way we have to be in life. When God has given us some things to do and some, some things that, that he wants us to be about, 
Just because there's a door shut, it doesn't mean that it's over. It doesn't mean there's not another way. If you can't go through the front door, you go through the back door. If you can't go through the back door, you go through the window. If you can't go through the window, you knock off the roof and you come from the top. Whatever way you have to go, there's going to be another way for you to get there. There are times that there are things that we want to do. We don't have the finances to do it, but we realize there's another way. Not everything is going to be answered with money. Amen. When we're doing the construction, they'll come to me with budgets, very expensive projects to, to spend upon it. And I look at those things and I say, no. But this is what it costs to do. No. But this is the construction cost. I know this is what that paper says. This is what you say this. But I say, no. There's another way. And I learned just to keep on asking questions and keep on knocking. And I end up finding ways to do it where it's like a tenth of the cost and it's even better than the better construction process. You just have to learn there's another way. Tell your neighbor there's another way. And as a believer, you should be flexible and be willing to change. When you know the call of God upon your life and, and you know the anointing of God that's upon your life, just because you have not been placed in a position that you thought you would be, it does not mean that you're, you're, you're supposed to stop being what God called you to be. You know, I, I have, there's a lot of evangelists that they're looking for churches to open up the doors so they could, they could preach the gospel. I'm, I'm saying, why are you waiting for a church to preach the gospel? What do you want to do? I want to win souls. Go to the street. But there's no place to preach. There's a whole world to preach. Amen. Because if you're not willing to do it out there, what makes you think I want you to do it in here? If you're unfruitful out there, I don't want your dead fruits in here. Amen. You know, when, I, when uh, we were doing the TV ministry, the door was shut. We didn't have the resources to do it at the time. And, and we're, we were working on building the church and growing the church. And so, you know, I know I'm called to preach. I know I'm called to pastor and minister. Uh, but, you know, the, the medium of, of using the, the television was not there. So I didn't know what to do. I had to preach. I'm a preacher. That's what I do. I minister. I pastor. I, I raise up unbelievers and, and, and I disciple them. Amen. And so I started writing. And I would just send out notes, send out little devotions on email every day. And those things will find its place in, in different houses. And people's lives were being changed just because I chose to find another way. And then I'm thinking, you know, I'm only preparing for weekday service and Sunday. I got to do something. So I go to the juvenile. I went to the juvenile and, and I would lead them to Christ. And then I would be thinking about the teenager. I'm thinking, these, people, these young, young men and women, they don't, they don't know what it is to have a father. They come from a very difficult life. They, need, they don't know what love is. They need to know that. And some of them are becoming fathers already. How can they? I mean, it's a curse upon their life. But they need a model. They need something to, they need to show them the truth. So I started, I started teaching them and discipling them. I, came, I wrote this discipleship program. Where it was seven lessons, and we would, and I, I put it on 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 a, on a book for them, and they weren't allowed to to have anything else other than, you know, they didn't even have time to to do studies, 
But when I put that in the program, they would give them time so they could study the word. I remember I was so frustrated about everything because, you know, a lot of times we get angry because we don't have as much money as we need or as much money as we want. Or you've been working on something and it just seems like it's not going anywhere. And I was so frustrated one day and, and I only had like 20 bucks. And I told my wife, I said, honey, I'm leaving. I'm getting out of this place. I am, I'm tired of just hanging out at the house. I'm going to go to the flea market. I only got 20 bucks, but I know I could buy a bunch of used, used uh, underwear and toothbrushes with 20 bucks. So I'm going to go, two things you don't buy, two things you don't buy. <laughs> two things you don't buy used. <laughs> I'm going to go spend this 20 bucks. That's all I had, you know. And, but I, I just, I was frustrated. I'm not seeing the ministry grow, nothing happening, you know. I mean, I, I just felt tired and frustrated about everything. So I was just going to Go and do something, buy something, you know, just get out of the house. I was angry, frustrated. I went to, the, to put some gas in the car, and as I'm putting the gas in the car, this teenage young man comes out, and he sees me and says, it's you. You're the pastor. And I looked at him, I thought, you know, well, maybe he saw, like, on a TV program, or maybe he came to church. And as I'm uh, putting the gas in, and he says, I'm cadet 22. You came and discipled me in the boot camp and taught me about the things of God. I want to let you know that my life is in order. I'm in university. My family's blessed. And ever since then, my life has been changed. I felt like I was on top of the world. I didn't need any used toothbrushes after that. Like everything just let, you know, because of that, I was able to minister to thousands of kids across the, 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 the valley. And even today, we still send teams into the boot camp to, to minister to teenagers. When I was, when I was started as pastor, I, I was in charge of the television network that covered the whole world. And it was a Spanish Christian network. And I don't speak or preach Espanol. But I wanted to preach. But I knew it was a Spanish network and I couldn't preach in English. So I would wake up early in the morning. And at 5 o'clock in the morning, I would, they would turn me on and they would, they would put it all over the world. And I would look at the camera and say, Hola, vamos a orar. Pray in the Spirit. And then at the end of the, the 30 minutes, gracias, adios. <laughs> that was my daily program. Another network in Europe gra grabbed a hold of that program and started airing it. And the owner of the network, he would watch it. And he's thinking, when is he going to start preaching? When is he going to start speaking? And I would just be there. Ciao.
And uh, so he invited me to go preach in London. I've never been out of the valley preaching. And he invited me to go preach in London. So I went there. I never met this man, didn't know who this man was. But I went over there. And they had a car waiting for me. I'm thinking, wow. <laughs> they invited me, and they actually have people picking you up. Where can we take you to eat, Pastor Kevin? I'm like, well, we could go to McDonald's right there. That's fine. I never had a Big Mac in the UK. <laughs> McDonald's are everywhere, all over the world. They're everywhere. And uh, he, would, he would ask me, you know, and for things and, and, you know, what they could do for me. I'm like, no, I'm good. I don't need anything. I'm fine. I'm good. They would try to grab my bags. I'm like, no, I'm good. I got this. I got this. And then he, he stops me. He says, sir, you don't know who you are. I don't know who I am. I think if anybody knows who I am, it's me and Veronica. He says, sir, more people watch your TV program than one of the top ministers at the time. When I went to the church that night, it was packed with people. People were waking up early in the morning just to. And I wouldn't even open my eyes. I'd just be. I'd open eyes just to look at the time. Five more minutes. <laughs> but it was through those meetings that all of Africa opened up. All of Europe opened up. The nations opened up. What am I trying to tell you? There's always another way. But the only thing that you have to, you have to remind yourself is the, of the anointing of God upon your life. You need to know who you are in Christ Jesus and what God has called you to do. You might say, well, pastor, I don't know what God's called me to do. Go for a walk. Talk to the Lord. Spend time with him. What I learned is God has a way of telling you exactly what the call of God upon your life is. And he does it through tears. He will put such a burden in your heart, and he'll drive you just to weep for the nations. You might be crying for people that are, that are homeless or crying for people that, that are, are broken, crying for people that are the youth, the children, whatever it is. God will show you somebody's pain and he will put a desire in your heart to be an answer to that pain. When I, would, when I started as pastor, my prayer was, God, the prayers and the cries and the hurts that you hear over this community... Let me hear them and give me an anointing to answer it. Wherever God moves you, he will move you, but he will also give you the power to answer that pain. Amen? And so go for a walk with God. Spend time with God. Go get the anointing. Go get the power of God. Amen? Because the power of God is, is, is what makes room for you. The power of God is what opens up doors. You could be very anointed, but unless you're willing to use the anointing that God has given you, the doors will always stay shut. And you're looking at, oh, but I thought it was going to be like this. I, I thought it was going to be like that. No, you be what God called you to be.
You might not be a preacher like me, but you might, you might be something even greater than I could ever be. Everyone's anointed for a position and a purpose and a plan of God. Like, how long are you going to live without living for God? Every one of us are called to do something for the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. The, the Bible says in Proverbs 24, verse 16, it says, A righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. There's going to be times you're going to get knocked down, times you're going to be defeated, where the plans didn't work out the way that you thought they were going to come, they were going to come about. But don't get discouraged. Just get back up. Just get back up. Just, just get back up knowing that if that door is shut, God has an open door for you someplace. And I guarantee you the door that God has for you will be greater than the door that you wanted at, in the first place. I thought I was going to be a professional athlete, a professional baseball player. But my life that I'm living right now is greater than anything I could have done playing that game. I, cr I cried out to God. I said, God, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be a pastor. Thank you for allowing me to preach the gospel. Thank you for allowing me to be used by you to, to change other people's lives and show your love. Get back up. Tell your neighbor, get back up. You know, because di disappointment will come. You'll get discouraged. You'll get discouraged. Doors that look like they're open, they'll get shut. But remember, you're not doing it for man. You're not doing it for physician. You're not doing it for a door. You're doing it for the Lord. So get back up. Great, great resources have been invested in your life. You have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling on the inside of you. You have the Spirit of God, the power of God that's resting upon you. You have the Word of God that's been spoken into your heart. You have the Spirit of God that's been teaching you the Word of the Lord. Great resources have been invested in your life. And for you to think that God has not called you for greatness is a mistake. Just because people have not recognized it, it doesn't matter if they don't recognize it. If heaven knows who you are, that's all that matters. That's all that, that matters. That heaven knows who you are. So get back up. Go get a soda. Get some ice cream. Have your little cry. Then get back up. Amen. In February, we had a very successful first night in Liberia. But then those that were behind the scenes were very crooked where it looked like it might be physically threatening to me and the team and all the ministers, the very next morning, we were on a plane out of that land. We invested a lot. The people were there. They were, they were expecting great things. But it was not safe for us to stay there. And it might have cut the call of God and our life off, cut, cut the years off of our life. It was not a risk I was willing to take. So we got on a plane and we left. We went to Ghana where they had an ice cream shop. I bought myself a big ice cream and I ate ice cream. After the ice cream was done, the disappointment was done too. From Ghana, I went to, to Lagos, Nigeria, and preached the gospel there, and God blessed that land. From, from Lagos, Nigeria, I went to Abuja, Nigeria, and preached the gospel there, and God blessed that land. 
I can't allow the disappointment to destroy my future. Because they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting the anointing. They're rejecting God. And so don't take it personal. Amen. You get back up. God will give you victory. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2 says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. It's so important that you keep the vision in front of you. Even Paul declared when, 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 when he had that situation. Paul declared, he said, for the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. When God begins to speak to you about the purpose and the plan and the destiny, start writing it down. Start writing it down. And when you get discouraged, when you don't know what to do and you feel like you're, you're lost, you just, re, you just read that vision. You read that vision. You know, God might have given you a vision that you're going to be very wealthy, that you're going to have great resources, and that you're going to, you're going to preach the gospel greatly through your giving. You might be in, be in the ministry of giving, and, and God might have shown you, says that he's going to make you very wealthy, but you might, at the time that he gives you that word, you, you'll have nothing. Might not even have a, a job. The question is, do you believe that word or not? If you believe it, you would write it. And then you would read it so you could run with it. Amen. If you don't believe it, then you, you just leave it there. Whatever God wants. Whatever God wants. God already told you what he wants, but you failed to, to grab a hold of the vision. You know, when it comes to vision, when it comes to vision, you have to tackle it. This is mine. I got a vision. People will reject it. People will say, there's no way. I mean, if I were, if I, if I were to have a show of hands, who was here when, when, when my father was pastor? Lift up your hands. We have a few. Awesome. Keep your hands up. All right. Now, who of you thought that I would ever be a pastor preaching the gospel here? Thanks a lot, guys. Come on. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I should be offended. <laughs> it's a sign and a wonder. Wow. Well, I didn't think it was going to hurt. <laughs> I, I might need ministering today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, man. But the anointing makes the difference. The anointing, the call, the purpose, the plan of God is empowerment to do what he called you to do. It makes all the difference. So I could truly stand here and say this. If God could do it for me, God could do it for you. He will make another way for you if you won't faint. 
There's a lot of really gifted, anointed pastors and preachers and ministers. Many of them I went to Bible school and now they're, they're on the, the outskirts. They're on the, they're, they never stepped into their call. They never, they never grabbed a hold of the anointing that God put upon in their life. You know, the Bible says many are called but few are chosen. You have to decide that you're going to be the chosen one. Not just the called one. God will pour out his spirit upon you richly, but if you have to be the one to grab a hold of it and say, yes, Lord, here I am. Use me. Amen? The anointing makes the difference. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, here Joseph speaks to his brothers. Joseph had a vision. Joseph had a dream. God told him he was going to use them, but then he ended up being sold as a slave. He ended up being thrown in a prison. If anyone should have given up on the call of God upon their life, it would have been Joseph. But Joseph continued to do what God told him to do, continued to say what God told him to say. And at the right time, he was the only one that could stand in a place to save humanity. And the, he looks at his brothers who sold him off as a slave at the very end. And he, and he says this to them in, in Genesis 50, verse 20. He says, you intended to harm me. But God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Joseph found another way. And I want to encourage you with that word. There's another way. There's another way. We're all going to face those doors shut. We're all going to be rejected. We're all going to go through those times. But that's not a no in the, in the, in the heart of God. God is just saying there's another way for you, amen. The anointing makes the difference. If you're hungry for the things of God and you're willing to be used by God, God will put his power in his presence and he'll make the vision very clear for you, amen. The only, you know, the only life that I could tell you that's worth living is a life lived for the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. And I believe that God is calling a lot of people here today to serve him for his glory, amen. Hallelujah.